the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Welcome in. Good day. July 20th. Back half of the year. The first month of the last six is two-thirds the way done, and the market continues to rally. A very busy reminder that you can't time the market. Momentum has taken off in our breakout. It will end when too many people get too optimistic. It will move maybe from earnings season to that time in between earnings where we're looking at inflationary data that maybe goes sideways. Maybe it continues to go down. There will be a break, a pause that refreshes. You don't have to chase. You should always be looking at your portfolio for the things that you have too much of or maybe don't have enough of. I still feel very much so that I don't have enough value in my portfolio and that I have too much growth. And I've been trying to change that ever so slowly in the last year. I'm thrilled with where I'm at. But at the same time, I'm always thinking, always thinking, what's the next three to five years? And what's the next three to five months? This is a hot market. It's a momentum market right now. I'm not saying get out of it. Nope. I'm saying take, take. Inventory of where you are. Yesterday, the NASDAQ was up just a little bit. 0.03 tenths of a percent. That's pretty nuts. The S&P 500 was up one quarter of 1%. Dow Jones Industrial Average up one third of 1%. This is not... Yesterday, the NASDAQ going sideways up 0.03 tenths of a percent. That's kind of a sideways move. And what I'm going to tell you is sometimes sideways is not down. Sideways is okay. Second quarter earnings season kept investors smiling yesterday. The Dow Jones Industrial Average had its eighth day in a row of winning. Don't you miss crazy? Charlie Sheen winning. Carvana shot up big yesterday, but that was a controversial one. It's a company that, financially speaking, makes no sense to me, where you can get a car out of um, basically not an ATM machine, but a, a, a kind of a robotic lift system. And that's fine. That's fine. If you want to buy a car a new way, if you want to upset the way uh, other car companies are selling cars, you could be a great disruptor. CarMax, you know, I'm looking at you there. But I'm going to tell you, the financials, when you look at them, they just are never right. It's probably the weakest automotive company that I've seen ever. And it was a huge winner yesterday because they said, we're going to pay down some debt. To me, that's financial engineering, which is fine. 
I don't want to hear about EBITDA when it's your first quarter of EBITDA. EBITDA is earnings before interest tax depreciation and amortization. It's basically, we would have earned money if we didn't have to pay interest tax amortization. Like, but you do. So paying off some of your debt is great for that metric, but I want to see revenue. The only four things that matter to me in growth stocks are revenue, 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 revenue. U.S. women's national team is gunning for its third victory in a row at the Women's World Cup. Um, Megan Rapino, Alex Morgan. It's pretty interesting to see uh, when you watch these young ladies play for a while, they turn into women and women with children. And it's like, these are stud athletes. Um, you can give men all the credit for being more powerful and strong, but no man's ever pushed baby out. Um, and got back on the court, if you know what I'm saying. That's quite a move. Quite a move. Um, let's talk uh, big money at the World Cup. Sponsorships and broadcasters are spitting big on the women's sport after focused on men's sports for, well, ever. It's still a quarter of the men's, the women's World Cup and women's sports. Um, but there's change in the air for the first time. Every player in the tournament is guaranteed $30,000 in prize money, and the prize pool is more than tripled from 2019. Um, I think I've said enough on that. Let's move forward. Netflix got a lot more subscribers. They also got rid of their basic plan. Another financial engineering, not in a bad way this time, another way of pulling a lever to make more money. Netflix's decision to force you to sever that last tie to your ex by cracking down on password sharing has a new wrinkle. The next thing they're going to do is take away the most basic of plan to make you make a more premium plan or get you to watch more advertisements. In the quarter, Netflix gained 5.9 million subscribers, probably because people got kicked off for password sharing. And they said, you know what? I still want to watch. There's what? <clears throat> I don't know if it's the world's largest video service, but it feels like it. Do you remember going to Blockbuster as a kid and it was a video store on a Friday night? There's all these either DVDs or VCRs, VHSs that you could pick from. You're like, this is so many choices. And all the good ones were already checked out anyway. But you still had a field uh, time, field work, uh, field day, walking around and shopping. Apple built its own AI chatbot, sending the stock up, spiking yesterday five points to 197. Pulled back to close around 195. It's a little higher today. Apple's, again, slowly moving forward. Apple Maps has gotten a world better. Now they've got their own Apple GPT. We haven't seen it yet. Um, when it does come out, we assume it'll be similar to Chat GPT, but sleeker looking and more expensive. Apple stock shot up to a record high on the news yesterday. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what I just said. It'll be more expensive than chat GPT. Yesterday, Microsoft said chat GPT will be an extra 30 bucks a month. And that's going to equal about 14 billion in new revenue every year. If just 10% of office users sign in for the AI powered copilot. Again, not a hundred percent sure this is going to be how it plays out. 
but I just said another 14 billion in new revenue. A lot of the infrastructures are already in place, so it's not that tough to replicate. Just throwing it down there. You see what Apple's doing. Tesla's price cuts are squeezing its margins. Tesla's strategy of dropping car prices has led to more sales, but their margins dropped like a brick. Profit grew 20%. Investors were rattled by the company's profit margin getting smaller because of those same slash prices I just mentioned. Musk also said production would be down next quarter because of factory upgrades, but said it wouldn't stop the company from meeting its delivery goals for the year. A lot of positives. Um, the stock market is overbought on a short-term basis. It's likely due for a pullback. I may have to say that for a week, maybe a month, maybe a day. There's mixed indications today following earnings from Tesla, Netflix, Johnson & Johnson, IBM, Travelers, United Airways, United Airlines, American Airlines, Las Vegas Sands, DR Horton. We'll talk about as many earnings as we can. Don't forget a big event coming up at the end of August. It is Are You Ready to Retire? The Seven Tests of Retirement Readiness. Taxes, income, long-term care planning. Sign up at Rob Black Show. It's August 24th. Sign up at robblackshow.com. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. So if you're in the camp that this AI move is faux, let me repeat what I said in the first segment. Microsoft will feast $14 billion new revenues every year if just 10% of Office users sign in, sign up for its AI-powered co-pilot. 10% is a number that analysts use as a low bar. 20% is considered the norm. If 20% of Office 365 users pay for that $30 upgrade, the best case that you can outline is about $27.5 billion in additional revenues every year. And it makes the, the product even stickier. The margins are huge. So careful how you approach AI, but understand that the mathematics for some companies that have scale and total addressable markets that are huge, like Apple and Microsoft, this could be big, very, very big for revenues. This will be big, not could. Let's talk about some of the big winners and losers today on Wall Street. Anheuser-Busch. Morgan and Stanley upgraded Anheuser-Busch to overweight. The stock represents a very favorable risk-reward profile. After controversial, um, unneeded, I don't know, how do I, I don't want to get piss anyone off. After the Bud Light controversy caused the shares to slide, Blackstone lost 3% after revenues fell short of expectations. That's a big company, big financial company that I've always admired. American Airlines stock down 1%. They posted second quarter results that surpassed analyst expectations. American Airlines also lifted its profit forecast for the year. On the backs of the ongoing traveling boom, you know what's interesting about that is um, I'm starting to see studies or just kind of research data that people are putting off their vacations to Europe because they're seeing pictures of other people in Europe. And they're smoking hot. It's gross. It's called a heat dome. Um, and yeah, you can go to Rome, but if you can't walk the streets, what's the fun of it if you're sitting in your hotel sucking on air conditioning? 
United Airlines also reported record quarterly earnings and said it expects strong third quarter as travel demand surges. Taiwan Semiconductor, a stock that I admire that I've never owned. I guess I own it in some growth indexes. Uh, they posted its first profit drop. Basically, they said demand for consumer electronics continues to slump. That's bad news if you're a company that sells consumer electronics. I'm looking at you, Best Buy. IBM, a company that I can't believe is still around. As far as the stock goes, it's just not that important to me. Um, they had revenue mess. IBM reported earnings that topped analyst expectations uh, while the company also expanded its gross margins, which is typically a very positive thing. But they reported a miss due to a slump in their infrastructure division. Again, just not enough sizzle in that stake for me. Tesla's down 4%. Operating margins fell to the lowest level in the past five quarters as a result of recent price cuts. Wall Street does not like profit margin declines. What Tesla needs to do is give up on this idea of full self-driving. They're never going to get past level two is, is the belief that you're always going to have to have your hands on the wheel. They should start licensing their technologies to other automakers at some point. Um, like they're going to be licensing their charging stations because then their total addressable market goes even higher in electric vehicles. We'll see. Elon Musk tends to make some brilliant moves and he tends to make some really foolish moves in business. Easy for me to say, not being a multi-billionaire. Johnson & Johnson, big pharmaceutical company, saw shares rise more than 1%. It posted better than expected earnings and hiked its full-year guidance. If you were to tell me that you wanted to own 10 stocks or 20 stocks for the next 30 years, I, I'd put this list on your top 50 to see if it can make your top 20. If you had that kind of time frame and that kind of expectations where you don't want to babysit it every year. And let's see if if how I can show you this. Um, pulling up a chart of Johnson and Johnson, and I'm going to take you back 20 years because that's kind of what we're talking about. It was a fifty dollar stock 20 years ago. Now it's a hundred and sixty seven dollar stock while paying a two point nine nine percent dividend yield. That's pretty attractive to me. <clears throat> over a 20-year period. Is it brilliant? No. Is it trouble? No. I just stay away from trouble. Here's a sad statistic. 75% of Americans have financial regrets. That plays into one of my favorite statistics that three out of four people make up 75% of all people. Nearly three out of four Americans have financial regrets with Failing to start saving for retirement early being the biggest concern. Don't let that be you. If you learn one thing today, don't let that be you. Don't let that be your kid. I started saving for my kids when they were 10. So when they're 25 and they're like, oh, I wonder if I should start saving money for retirement. It's already started for them. I've got enough wealth that I can do that. I was speaking with a news anchor the other day about her daughter going to med school. And 
she's going to finance her debt for the next five to seven years. And there's going to be a period of time where she is going to make very little money. And I said, as her mother, why did you open up her an acorns account or something? And where, you know, you're, you're squirreling away $150 a month. If that's not too big of a hit on you. And she goes, no, that's not too big of a hit on me. I was like, in 10 years from now, that'll be $10,000, $20,000. And that'll be like a bonus. Like, ooh, finally got done with med school and got done with my residency. And it kind of clicked in her head. Like, that's an easy thing to do when she's in her 20s. And give her a nice reward when she hits 30. Um, three out of four people regret not starting saving early enough. Other standouts in the result is 15% of Americans have too much, uh, regret having too much credit card debt. 14% regret having not saved enough for an emergency. 5% have too much student loan debt. 3% wish they saved more for their kid's college or a kid's education is probably the better way of saying that. One. Baby boomers. Most concerned about not saving for retirement soon enough. 34% of baby boomers, i.e. people 59 to 77, they regret not saving for retirement earlier. Only 26% of Generation Xers, because we're not near retirement yet. We're, we're closing in on it. I am. Xers are between 43 and 58. Financial regrets. Don't look back in anger. It's on you. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. As I've been mentioning recently, we've got a new event coming up in mid to late August, August 24th, Los Gatos Toll House Hotel, 630 to 830. Are you ready for retirement? The seven tests of retirement readiness with CFP Chad Burton and myself. Sign up at robblackshow.com. You are listening to the Rob Black Show podcast. For more information on EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything that you ever want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, I really appreciate, you know, that we're both going through this. I try to share what I've done well to create wealth and to point out some of the things that I've made mistakes on. And to be honest with you, I've probably missed some huge opportunities by just thinking, no, that one's not for me. That one looks a little bit too risky. Um, I'm okay with that. Apple Maps is getting way better. Um, if you believe the Wall Street Journal, the Wall Street Journal recently published an article saying some users told the journal they prefer Apple Maps over Google Maps for its design and usability. The changing attitudes around Apple Maps comes after years of worth of updates to the app. When they first introduced it, it was a mess. You would see like the Empire State Building on the Hudson Bridge. You're like, that doesn't look right. I don't think that's supposed to be there. But drivers and city dwellers who rely on navigation apps to get around seem to be warming up to Apple Maps. When Apple launched Maps, its GPS app in 2012, the company received backlash after some users complained that it gave them strange directions or took them dangerous routes. But over the last decade, Apple has continued to slowly update the app with a slate of new features like public transit directions, a redesign, and integration that enables users to display the app on their car dashboards. So studies are not studies, but user um, feedback are starting to point that Apple Maps is taking Google. 
Um, anyone who's concerned with privacy thinks Apple Maps over Google's app. Uh, whether it be Waze or Google Maps. We all know that Google scrapes data, whereas Apple says they don't, and they're doing their best to kind of sell their products and services on we give you privacy. I'll tell you, I'm using the new operating system that's coming out this fall for Apple, and it is hardcore geared towards privacy. When you go uh, surfing the web, they go, do you want this to be a private session that only you can unlock with your face? So let's say I go to a website um, called ilovegrowthstocks.com, and I don't want my spouse knowing that I'm doing that in off hours. Um, I, she would have to unlock it with her face, and it's only going to unlock with my face. It seems a little bit overkill, but I'm okay with overkill. Apple updated its operating system to iOS 16 last year in 2022, which came with new map features that allow users to plan multi-stop trips, see how much their public transit fares cost, and navigate through the street view option. It updated the app again in January with new features for booking restaurant reservations and for finding deals at nearby shops. So just saying, when it launched, it probably wasn't ready for prime time. And that's okay. Another big piece of news today is June home sales dropped the slowest pace in 14 years as short supply is choking the market. Not a good time to be a realtor. Sales of pre-owned homes dropped 3.3% in June, running a seasonally adjusted annual rise rate of 4.1 million units. Continued weakness in the housing market is not for lack of demand. It's all about the critical shortage of supply. There are just 1.08 million homes for sale at the end of June, 13.6 less than June of 2022. Did you hear that? There's 13.6% less homes for sale than in June of 2022. There's simply not enough homes for sale. The market can easily absorb a doubling of inventory. That dynamic that's out there has kept pressing pressure under home prices. The median price of a home sold in June was $410,200. That's the second highest price ever recorded by realtors. So until there's more supply, prices are going to say stay left to right. And like I said earlier in the show, sometimes sideways is not down. Home sales fell, but home prices have held firm in most parts of the country. Limited supply is leading to multiple offer situations with one-third of homes getting sold above the list price. So the volume's down, but the prices are up. Sales are unlikely to rebound soon in the existing home market, i.e. it's already been built versus a new home. Existing homes make up about 80% of the market plus, but sales of newly built homes are reaping the benefits right now. D.R. Horton, the nation's largest home builder, reported a big jump in new orders, jumping in its latest earnings release Thursday. Despite continued higher mortgage rates and inflationary pressures, their net sales orders increased 37%. As the supply of both new and existing homes at affordable price points remain limited and the demographic supporting housing demand remain favorable. I've never lived in a new home. That's a funny thing to say out loud. 
I wonder what that would be like. I, I don't know. Can't ask myself. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Here's an odd little nugget for you to chew on. I know you're saying, I love nuggets, dino nuggets. Okay, ladies, if you're ever on a first date, second date with a man and you ask him what his favorite food is, if he says dino nuggets, run, 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 run. Or if he ever says dino nuggies, report him to the police. Why are frozen vegetable prices so high? I love frozen fruit. So if I make a smoothie, love to get me some frozen fruit. Um, who am I to blame for the frozen vegetables? You can blame war. You can blame California weather. And you can blame fewer immigrants. There was a movie probably 20 years ago, A Day in the Life Without an Immigrant, or A Day in the United States Without an Immigrant. And it showed you that Americans wouldn't be able to go to restaurants. We wouldn't be able to have vegetables. So when you get into this immigration debate, think about some things. Try to see both sides. Try to be patient. Um, I'm not proud that I say, you know, my heritage links back to the Scottish and the French. I don't have like this huge swell like my I am an immigrant. Um, but I do think this is a great country. Compared to a lot of other countries, we got a lot going on. The average shelf price for frozen vegetables rose by 18% in the last year. Holy mackerel. The price spike on frozen vegetables is attributable to many factors, including immigration trends, high cost for labor and fertilizer, and the ripple effects of the war in Ukraine. But perhaps the most consequential event has been the weather in California, which is by far the biggest supplier of fruits and vegetables to the United States. Again, sometimes my family makes fun of me. They're all East Coasters. I'm like, oh, you hippies out in California. You always get earthquakes. And oh, you hippies out in California. You get free marijuana for elementary school kids. I'm like, that's, that doesn't sound right. Oh, you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. We may charge for plastic bags and you may get them free. But uh, let's see what you do without our vegetables and fruits. The Golden State was hit by a lot of water over the winter. Some areas broke daily rainfall records, and the highest ever snowpack has been recorded in the Sierra Nevada mountains. The result was overflowing rivers this season, mudslides and flooding, and soaked farmland. Some were just inundated to the point that it decreased vegetable supply. California's number one national producer of dozens of crops like broccoli. Boo, California. You can keep your broccoli. Brussels sprouts. I've read, and I could be wrong on this one, that Brussels sprouts when I were a kid were a lot more bitter than they are now, that they've been engineered to take the bitterness out. Is that true? I don't want to Google it because I don't have time. But California is also the number one in cabbage, carrots, cauliflower, eggplant, kale, lettuce, onions, bell peppers, spinach, and tomatoes. And they all go into processed foods. It's the sole producer of crops like celery and garlic. The state accounts for nearly half the U.S. vegetable production. It accounted for 42% of the total vegetable sales in 2017. 
It's a lot going on there, huh? All that rain was a negative. It's tough to say, right? It's really, really tough to say. You're like, but we needed the rain. We're in a drought. Uh Uh-huh. Now let's talk about that labor supply. Long-term immigration trends are also serving up to be uh, putting pressure on prices. Fruits and vegetables are known as specialty crops. They're labor-intensive to produce since they are often hand-picked. Labor can therefore account for a large share of a farmer's production cost, perhaps 40% of it. U.S. labor costs have risen at the fastest pace in decades during the pandemic, as record high job openings led employers to raise wages to compete for talent. But farmers face additional hurdles. 70% of crop farm workers in the U.S. are foreign-born. 70%. 91% lived in Mexico before arriving in the United States. Now, again, I just ask you, you love your fruits and vegetables. What's your opinion on immigration? Just throwing it out there. It's not a big political talk. Just throwing it out there. 30. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Thanks for listening to the show. Visit the Rob Black Show online at robblackshow.com. Listen to archive podcasts, market updates, and information from EP Wealth's certified financial planners online at robblackshow.com. Some days I wish I could get to more content, but let's face it. Sometimes you just got to let it go. Right now, though, in the stock market, there's a sense that the market is due for some consolidation after a big run up. I've made a lot of money in my 401k in the first six and a half months of the year. I've made a lot of money back from last year's fall in my stock portfolio in the first six and a half months of the year. There's some sort of line about pigs get slaughtered, right? Am I going to sell anything? I've trimmed a little bit, but nothing aggressive. Um, Last year, I did a really nice job of purging anything that I didn't want in my portfolio so that I could reposition with things that I did want, and it's paid very handsomely for me. Last year, we were talking about, well, first and foremost, there's some rising treasury yields on the market today. There's digesting some economic data. There's big losses in Tesla and Netflix following their earnings report. Next week, we get more tech earnings. That's the one that I really look forward to. Um, Very much so. And it's going to be a a time where we're going to see maybe a little bit more of a stock pickers market for the short term. Now, I want to talk a little bit more about Netflix. I talked about buying it last year when they started saying that they're going to go after Cheats, I guess, is the right way of saying it. I don't I don't know if that's the right word that I wanted to use. But two of their big initiatives this year, one of them was focusing on increasing revenue by cracking down on password sharing. Another one of their big thoughts was um, to focus on advertising. The main takeaway from Netflix's earnings was it was a good quarter to the point that I'm talking about, do you add it to your portfolio? If you've never had it, should you consider it? Netflix added 5.9 million subscribers. That's a very good thing. That's telling that the cracking down on password sharing and the launching of a cheaper $6.99 a month advertising tier are bringing in new subscribers. Netflix added 1.2 million subscribers in the United States and Canada. 
That's its largest regional quarterly gain since 2021. This is not the story for the other media players like Disney Plus and Warner Brothers Discovery. They've spent the year slashing content from its streaming services to avoid paying residuals and saving on licensing fees. Both companies have laid off thousands of employees over the past 12 months to boost free cash flow. Paramount Global and Comcast NBC Universal both said 2023 will be the biggest annual loss ever for their streaming business. Not for Netflix. Netflix boosted its free cash flow for the year to $5 billion, up from $3.5 billion. Do you know why? The actors and writers strike. When the actors and writers, when the writers went on strike two months ago, I told you it's going to be a benefit for Netflix. They've got international studios that are still operating and chugging out content. And when you shut down America, you shut down a very expensive production part of their business. So Stranger Things will not come out on time. No way. The final season. Those kids will be like 45 before the final season comes out. Weren't they like 11 when the show started? Uh Uh-huh. So they've upped their free cash flow to $5 billion for $3.5 billion. That's material. This means Netflix will actually have even more cash than it previously expected. Netflix forecasts subscriber gains of about $6 million again. They're continuing to add subscribers even in the face of this. Is it a buying opportunity? It certainly could be. How would I buy it? I would scale into it. What does scaling into it mean? It would mean I would buy a little bit now and a little bit in three months and a little bit more in three months and maybe even a little bit more in a year. That's for me, not for you. I don't know you. The quarter's shareholder letter barely addressed video games, which they've done in the past to kind of say, look, we've got a, a cute bell and whistle over here. We've got a cute bell and whistle over here. But right now they're doing so well on subscriber ads and so because of the crackdown on password sharing. And they're doing so well on subscriber ads, to their advertising tier. That they don't need to say, look at this cute little mirror over here. Netflix doesn't need a new narrative. The old one still works. Streaming is growing. Cash piles are rising. Advertisers have investors excited. Netflix has a steady pipeline of international content. The lack of references to video games says that everything's going well. So Netflix shares dropped 5% today. That's profit-taking, in my opinion. The shares are up 62% for the year. Um, of note, they also got rid of their cheapest basic ad-free option, which cost $9.99, and it didn't feature ads. It's no longer available for new or rejoining members. Current subscribers of the plan won't be affected unless they choose to change plans or cancel. This move leaves Netflix standard with ad plans, which is priced at $6.99, its cheapest option now. So again, they're finding ways to increase the average revenue per user, the ARPU. When we waited tables in college, we'd have managers that would come to us and say, okay, whoever has the highest ticket sales tonight wins like a $50 bonus. And we'd all go like, oh, that means we have to sell desserts. That's where a lot of money is made. Oh, we all got to sell alcohol and even another round of alcohol. That's where DUIs are created when waiters are trying to upsell the alcohol. 
But for an extra 25 or 50 bucks that night, I was king at working that one. Um, anyhow, I'm digressing on you. Um, let's take a final look at the market, see where we're at for the day. I think we've had a good show today. Um, I've closed my, my screen. Let me pull it back up. I'm so tired of the political news right now. Oh, the Dow's up nicely, up 265. Up three quarters of 1%. The Nasdaq's getting weaker as the day. And the Dow's getting stronger, which is nice because for the year, the Nasdaq's thumping the Dow. The SP 500's down about a third. The Russell 2000's down about 1.1%. Overall, I would say a little bit of profit taking today. Nothing crazy. A little bit of value hunting. Nothing crazy. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.